This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Um, well, I slept in till eight o'clock yesterday and today. Ooh, look right? at you, fancy. I got like a whole seven and a half hours last night, which is basically like two years of sleep for me. Yeah, it is. And I've been painting again. I'm so happy. That makes look, me so happy. Look at this big one I'm working on today. That's it's so, so cute. cute. And I want to sleep on that thing. Right? Um, for those of you who are interested in my work in progress, uh, you can find it on my Instagram at lovepaulart. Yes. So, um, which, okay, so I mentioned to y'all, I've, I've had like a real rough time for the past four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd shut down my art page and I was not reading books and I was not writing on my blog and like, A, I had to force myself last week to write. But last night I was at this event and I could just mm-hmm. like feel myself coming back, like ready to be artistic and myself again. So That's awesome. I it's love nice it. to be back. That is awesome. Yeah. So like now I'm going through it because, you know, well, like we talked about earlier, the universe. <laughs> right, right. Only one of us can have our lives together at a time. It's true. So, yeah. I've just been in a twist lately, so, but I'm working on it. Well, good. Yeah, it'll all, it'll all come together. It will, indeed. Or it'll all fall apart, and then at least it'll be done. You'll have a good story out of it. Exactly. Oof-da. So, yeah, today, this morning, I got up and I watched this movie and then I was like, I need something happy. So I went to see Still Magnolias in the theater. I saw that. I'm so jealous. It was amazing. I know I've told you this a hundred times, but I went to college where it was filmed. I know this. Um, my college band director, I was not in band, but he was the head of the music program altogether, uh, is mm-hmm. in that movie. And um, all of my friends are always so excited to see him in it. And I roll my eyes hardcore. <laughs> he and I did not have the um, best relationship. I love that movie. I will stop and watch it anytime it's on. I will stop anything that I'm doing and watch that movie. Oh, yeah, you have to. I love it. And part of it is like, even if you own it on DVD, there's something magical about it just being on TV. Being on. Mm-hmm. And it's like the siren's call. That like mm-hmm. you can pop it in anytime you want, but it's not the same as just flipping through the channels when you're like, holy shit, Dolly Parton's on TV. Yeah. Oh, it's the best movie ever. It always makes me feel happier, so. Um, and, I mean, since we are who we are, and we do have a very good friend named Shelby, this is just your m- reminder to drink your juice, Shelby. Shelby, drink your juice. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like the main... Um, the main theme of our podcast could be summed up in if you don't have anything nice to say about anybody, come sit, sit by, by me. me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought I'd grow up to be a Clary and instead I've grown up to be a Weezer for sure. I'm, I'm a Clary all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always yeah. thought that I would be you and here we are. And I'm me. 
bright side, both of us could not exist together if we were both Clary. Like true, it's a true story. <laughs> Speaking of, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Weezer. <laughs> I'm Clary. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you call this color grape or aubergine? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't um. know. Okay. Northern listeners and listeners else have U.S. Let us know if this is a movie that you have A, seen, and B, if it is a thing that you like. Because, like, to have a, like, to exist in the South, you have to pass a test that says, yes, you love this movie. Otherwise, we kick you out. Yeah, we do. So, I'm very strict about it. I don't know how it works anywhere else. I don't either. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's a classic, like... I couldn't live my life and not have seen that movie. Right. Weird. <laughs> now that I've given us both an existential crisis. For real. <laughs> do you want to tell me about a Lifetime movie that is not nearly as good as the cinematic wonder that is still Magnolia's? Yes. So today I watched, believe me, the abduction of Lisa McVeigh. And as I told you on the top of this call before we started recording the alternate title for this movie is Aaron hopes everyone dies except the protagonist (laughs) because this poor girl oh my god (sighs) anyways this movie came out in 2018 it stars Katie Douglas she plays Lisa McVeigh Um, she's in the show Mary Kills People I've never even heard of it it got some Emmy attention last year, um, and then she's also in a movie called Eyewitness. I've never seen it. Nope. Um, now, is this Eyewitness like E-Y-E or I like iRobot? Just the... E-Y-E. Okay. Like your eyeball. Okay. Um, Rossif Sutherland, he plays Bobby Joe Long. Is he related um, to Kiefer? I'm not sure, but he was in River, he was in Rain, and he played the detective in our episode 10 movie, An Officer and a Murderer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Was that the Scrapbook of Shame? Yeah. Yeah. It was that was a, a good episode. It was. Um, and then David James Elliott, he plays Officer Larry. Um, he was in Trumbo. Uh, he was the main character in Jag. Okay. Did you ever watch Jag? I mm-hmm. watch Jag all the time. And in our Pornhub or TV, he was in a movie called Affairs of State. There was really not a lot to choose from this week. I'm sorry. Um, Affairs of State are actually about um, the secret lurid side of American democracy, where the way you make sure that your states get along is there's a massive um, House of Representatives orgy every year. And... um, (laughs) This is the most disgusting thing I've ever said out loud. I'm regretting it already. I'm just I'm just seeing lots of leathery skin and men with fake teeth trying to tell women how to behave. Eat it. Ew, it's terrible. <laughs> or in his quest for power, DC aide Michael Lawson will do anything to take part in Senator Baines's White House campaign including blackmailing Baines's shady advisor and sleeping with the candidate's wife. But then he gets involved with her, his daughter and Lawson learns the dangerous game ha- may have a deadly payoff. I'm not sure that that sounds any less interesting or more interesting than my movie. It really doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was not super into this description, but yeah. 
Cool. Did you ever watch My Date with the President's Daughter? Oh, God, yes. I love that movie. Me too. My date with, with the, the president's daughter. Yeah, my date with her. Can you imagine the headline, Garbage in the White House? And I'm like, I, I want to watch this movie again right now. I um, can't imagine the headline, Garbage to, in the White House, but it's a completely different connotation. Well, right. Well, that was just a quote from the movie because they're trying to get the rock band garbage. Um, but now I think I'm going to pause this call and I'm going to watch this and I'll see you in two hours. So. Okay, bye. <laughs> Um, we open in Tampa, Florida in November of 1984. Lisa works at a donut shop. Uh, her boss asks her to work a double and she says, okay. Um, when she leaves, it's very dark outside. She gets on her bike to ride home and she starts having flashbacks of being molested slash raped by someone, which we're not even two minutes into this movie. Yikes. At least you knew up front what you were getting into. Um... She gets home and has what I think is another flashback, but it I don't think it was, like, looking back now. I thought it was at the time. But um, she's writing what looks like a suicide note. So, I'm cool. Yeah, it's like, there's no, like, happy montage of springtime. They just threw you right no, into the shit this pile. Movie is dark. Um, her grandmother calls her into the kitchen because her sister's on the phone. The man from earlier is there. And when Lisa answers the phone, he puts his head down grandma's top, which is just charming. Um, um this movie's canceled. <laughs> Four minutes in and we've canceled the movie. This isn't even her kidnapper. I just want to be clear. <laughs> now. Grandmas and grandpas can have all the crazy sex they want. Just don't do it in the kitchen with your oh, granddaughter. Grandma, grandma is trash. We'll get it there. Um, sis asks, asks her to move back home, but mom puts the kibosh on that, saying that Lisa moved down there to help her grandma, and she wouldn't want to let down her grandma now, would she? Sounds like and grandpa's already letting down that grandma. <laughs> Mom's wearing leather shorts, too, so that's also a thing that's happening right now. Um, the 80s yeah. were a wild time. <laughs> Indeed. Not how any of us survived. Um, Lisa goes back to work, and when she leaves, her boss like follows her outside and um, gives her her paycheck. And he, she says, Thank you. And then she thanks him again for believing in her. She's riding home on her bike crying, um, and a car drives by her, and it flips a U turn and then pulls past her. When she turns the corner, the car is idling in a parking lot. She rides past a, ba a van parked in front of the parking lot, and a guy jumps out from behind it and grabs her off her bicycle. Oh, hell no. He throws her in the car and tells her if she opens her eyes, she's dead. And now she better show him a good time. Uh, nope. That's two rapes in less than ten minutes. Yeah, not a fan. Hey, I'm also very sorry that you had to watch this because that's really triggering for anybody. This movie was dark. Uh, when he's done, he tells her to get dressed. And then he tells her she's real good, so she must have a boyfriend. Oh, hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Then he wraps a tie around her eyes and ties her hands with a rope and says he's not done with her. 
I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm unsettled. Like, I'm a, I'm trying to pace. But yeah. if I pace, then it'll record, like, it'll mess up our recording equipment. Because that happens when I try to open the door. Like. So, yeah, this movie sucks. Uh, he takes her to some ratty apartment. Like, looks like it's at an industrial site. Then he makes her strip and he showers her. Rapes her again, calls her a bitch, ties her back up, and throws her in a bed. Then he pushes a gun into her cheek and tells her not to forget that he has it. 2018 Lifetime was a lawless place. <laughs> Lisa has a dream about being on a beach with her aunt and uncle. She wakes up to the guy rubbing her face. He's like pinching like her cheeks. Like, oh, it's so gross. He asks her what her name is, and she says Carol, which is her aunt's name. Um, she asks his name, and he says, I can't tell you that. Uh, she asks why he's doing this, and he calls her a bitch again, and then he rapes her. So, you know, cool. Grandma reports her missing and says very stoically that she is worried sick. The exact way that someone who's definitely not worried sick would say it. Um, the police. Oh, this is rough already. The police stop by mom's apartment and sister says she hasn't heard from Lisa since the night before. Mom says Lisa's fine. She's probably just run off. And the officer says if she calls or comes by to please let them know. And mom calls Lisa ungrateful. Yikes. And this is what I said. I hate every person in this movie except Lisa, her sister, and her boss. Yes. Um, Lisa has more flashbacks of when she first moved in with her grandmother. Oh, get ready. Her grandmother says, like, she's talking about how nice the house is, Lisa. And her grandmother says that sometimes there are things we have to do in order to keep living in such nice places. But it's okay. She's going to teach Lisa how to treat a man. No. Okay. Anyone listening, the things that you have to do, the certain things to live in such a nice place is Go out, educate yourself, get a high-powered job, rule the world, and don't listen to Grandma, apparently. I hope all these people die. Um, well, the good news is, Aaron, everybody dies. Yay! Some people just slower than others. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> <laughs> um, Lisa's being raped again, and she starts like screaming how sorry she is. This makes the man stop, and he's like, sorry for what? And she says, quote, that women haven't been very nice to you. And then she reaches up to touch his face. She says she can tell that he's very handsome, and so he unties her hands. The police stop by the donut shop to ask her boss a few questions. The officer says that maybe she just ran away, and her boss says that really doesn't sound like her. The boss remembers Lisa thanking him for her promotion, even though she was promoted months ago. And I guess this makes everyone think she's either completed suicide or run away. <sighs> that noise. I wish I could make that the episode title. <laughs> Lisa's captor makes her a shitty looking ham sandwich. And the story of her disappearance comes on the news. The news story says she's only 17, and that's bad news for Lisa because she told her abductor earlier that she was 20. Uh-oh. He gets pissed and picks her up screaming, and she has another flashback of leaving her sister while getting... Like, so this is what she does. Like, while he's torturing her, she just, like, goes to another place in her mind. Um, 
later he does let her go to the bathroom. Um, she begs him to let her be alone for a minute. And he tells her to be quick. So she takes off her blindfold, but she's just in an all-white bathroom. I don't know what she's expecting to find. Um, she stares herself down in the mirror and tells herself not to give up. She presses all of her fingerprints into the mirror, onto the towel rack, the trash can, and underneath the toilet seat. Smart. Mm-hmm. He figures out that she locked the door, so he gets all mad again. But Lisa offers to get him a glass of water, so he calms down. Um, he drinks some and then dumps some down her throat because he's a gentleman, goddammit. Um, and then he tells her not to ever do that again. Mama raised him right. Yeah, she did. Lisa gets up in the middle of the night. She finds a phone and starts to dial, but she gets caught. This time, while he's screaming at her, she flashes back to begging her mom to come home and her mom saying no, that things could be a lot worse and telling her that she's not special. I'm not a fan of literally any... Like, I, I'm with you on that Aaron hopes there everyone dies. No characters in this movie. None. She tells her kidnapper that she knows he's a good man and that he reminds her of her father who's sick and she's caring for him. Um, Later, she's back in the bed and she offers to be her kidnapper's girlfriend if he just lets her go home. He asks her if someone else can take care of her father and she says no. She flashes back to her sister visiting at her grandmother's. Her sister finds a gun in the pillowcase and Lisa says if her grandmother's boyfriend touches her, she'll kill him. Back in the present, her sister is holding a framed picture of them while her mother sleeps one off on the couch. The killer or the kidnapper is watching TV about a serial killer terrorizing the area. He totally flips out about what he's going to do with Lisa. So I'm guessing it's him. Oh, good. Contact clues. (laughs) Yeah. Lisa says they can just start over and he tells her to shut up. He throws clothes at her to put on and he ties her up again he's driving her around saying he never should have kept her this long she flashes back to her aunt and uncle's house again on her 16th birthday and i'm like where are these people where are they you're right the kidnapper stops at the gas station um lisa tries to get out of the car but he slams the door back on her and says that he'll kill her if she moves so she bites her finger until it bleeds and drops some blood in his car god she's a badass yeah (laughs) He drives to a secluded place and drags her out of the car while she screams that she's his girl and she'll and he will take care of her. He puts the gun to her head and she pleads for her life and he stops, unties her, tells her to go to the cops and tell them he's a black, short, and muscular. He tells I'm, her to stay there for five minutes and then take her blindfold off. Then he leaves. I want to guess that that description is the complete opposite. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. She immediately takes her blindfold off and starts running. Um, homeboy sees her in the uh, rear view and flips another U-turn, but he can't find her. She's gone. Oh, thank um, God. He done fucked up. Um, she runs home and her grandmother asks where the hell she's been. She says she was kidnapped and the boyfriend calls her a liar and goes to beat the crap out of her with his belt. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Nope. But Grandma stops him. She calls the police and says that Lisa's home and that she's claiming she was kidnapped, but obviously she made it up. Um, The officer says that he has to pick her up for questioning because she's a minor claiming to be a victim of a crime. And so the grandmother warns Lisa, quote, not a word about our lives here, okay? Um, No. 
I'm so angry. Like, I can't find words to say. So, Officer Victim Blamer asks why she's she doesn't have any bruises on her and whether she screamed for help or not and asks why she didn't run away or not. Um, he asks if she's just making it up for attention and then he excuses himself and brings in two lady detectives. Oh, good. Nope. They are oh, doubtful. Oh, no, that was the most passive oh, good I've ever used. They are doubtful at best. Um, she's telling them everything she remembers and they're like, do you watch a lot of cop shows? Oh, my God. So they don't believe her and say maybe she just stayed out a little too late to go home without a good excuse. Maybe. Oh, okay. Yikes. For real? An- That's what they came up with? Yes. In another part of the police station, they're having a big meeting about the serial killer and how he's escalating. Female detective number one comes to get Officer Larry out of the meeting, saying that they have a girl that's completely shut down and asks if he could, quote, take a crack at her. I can't imagine why she would be completely shut down. He asks why they don't believe her, and they say that the details are just too weird, and she's just too detached to be telling the truth. So they're standing outside the the room where they're talking to her, and Officer Larry looks in the window, and he gasps, oh my god, she's just a child, and he goes in to talk to her. So finally, maybe someone will listen to this poor poor girl. I almost said that, but I was like, I don't want to get my hopes up, because... Circus music abounds, apparently, in this episode. He introduces himself and shows her a picture of his daughter. He says to tell him everything um, and that he believes her. So she tells him everything she remembers about her kidnapper. Officer Larry goes out in the hall and tells Lady Detective Number One that Lisa is 10,000% not making this up and they're going to get her for a medical exam. He wants her clothes bagged and he wants her parents' consent for hypnosis. Good luck with that, buddy. Um, so lady detective is on board now, I guess. So she like runs off to do her thing. Lisa's sister calls the police station to get an update. And when she gets off the phone, she tells her mother that Lisa is back, but says she was abducted and raped. And the mom says, quote, see, I told you she'd get home. Okay. No fucking way. Yeah. Your face. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, so they call Grandma's boyfriend, and he says no, that they can't hypnotize Lisa. And then asks when she's coming home, because she has chores to do. Uh, I fucking hate it. Officer Larry, all of his red flags go up, and he goes to talk to Lisa. Um, Lisa tells him that he's not her father. Cause he's like, your dad said you can't have the hypnosis. And she says that that's not my dad. Um, um, and she, then she, and her, blah, 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 what has to be my f- second favorite edit of the week. Like Officer ever? Larry ever. What's your first winky coffee or that kind of what? coffee. I mean, Jody Arias. I was trying to get to... Jody Arias, but it's the blowjob. It's yeah. the underwater blowjob. Yeah. I think of our episodes by the subtitles. <laughs> um, yeah. So he leans forward and asks her 
what's happening. And then, bam, we cut to grandma's boyfriend's face slammed against a truck because Officer Larry is arresting him for sexual assault of a child. Praise everybody. Bye-bye, bitch. So the boyfriend is like, this is bullshit, and that bitch is a liar. So Lisa goes inside to pack a suitcase. Um, She takes the suicide note with her. Um, says peace out to grandma who is no longer speaking to her but before she walks out the door she asks grandma why she didn't protect Lisa but she doesn't answer her Um, officer Larry brings Lisa to stay um, with another officer whose daughter just left for college and I was like yay officer Larry you're the best Um, at the serial killer task force meeting they show red carpet fibers And Lisa told Larry earlier that the kidnapper had red carpet in his car. But once again, because God doesn't give with both hands, he hasn't quite put two and two together yet. Well, baby steps. At this point, I'll take anything. Lisa wakes up to a car idling outside the house she's staying at. She looks out the window and sees the kidnapper outside. No! starts screaming and the lady she's staying with comes rushing in um there's no one outside but the lady asks lisa if she's been able to sleep at all and when lisa says no she says they're going to set her up with the psychiatrist first thing the next morning it's going to give her something to help her sleep like some therapy well yeah and i think some medication too (laughs) all of it all of it everything i mean i'm not Um, opposed to the medication but also i think like homie needs some therapy yeah Officer Larry is asking Lisa more questions about her experience. Um, And at this time, she remembers that she had seen his car before that night. So Officer Larry thinks about it. And he goes to the task force leader and is like, so I know this is crazy, but hear me out. What if Lisa's rapist is also our serial killer? Jeff hands. (laughs) You know, he patted himself on the back for that. Um task force leader is like hmm that doesn't seem possible but officer larry says he's gonna send lisa's clothes to the fbi anyways the task force guy is like cool so long shot but if it's the same guy he knows that she's still alive and he knows he's got a loose end so have a nice day bye um so officer larry goes to get lisa and take her someplace new he takes her to a safe house and tells her she's got to lay low for a little while she cannot go to work she cannot go to her usual places um Meanwhile, Lisa's sister is crying at her house. Um, Later, Officer Larry and his daughter take Lisa out for dinner. At the police station, the head of the task force tells Officer Larry that the fibers on Lisa's clothes match the fibers on the other victims and the carpet in the car. Case closed. We're done here, except we have to catch the guy. So, Oh, yeah, Um, there's that small detail. Um, He lets Officer Larry announce it to the rest of the task force. That they have a another victim and she's drumroll alive. Yay. They have a witness. Um later, Officer Larry tells Lisa that he wants to take her back to where she was abducted and try to retrace her steps. Lisa puts together way more quickly than anyone else that the guy who kidnapped her and the serial killer are the same person. <laughs> So she's like, yes, I'll do it. Um, So they do, and she guides them around. Um, 
like she it's so cool because the guy had her laying in the front seat while he was driving her to wherever he took her uh-huh. and so she's laying in the front seat like telling them turn here stop at this light like turn here and turn here it was crazy wow um they stop and when she realizes where they are she gets out of the car and starts running so officer larry chases her they're at the park where he let her go and so she runs to the tree and she tells them that when she saw that tree, she knew she was going to live. Oh. Back at the station, they have a two mile radius and a sketch. So they're getting close. They're going to catch this guy. Um, Officer Larry is going through surveillance photos of a gas station and finds our killer. Another detective is driving around doing a sweep of the neighborhood and pulls over our killer. He makes up some bullshit story about a robbery and asks if he can search the car, but the killer's like, nah. Um, Then he asks if he can just take a photo of it so the victim of the robbery can rule him out. And he's like, sure, dude, whatever. Um, So he takes a Polaroid and manages to keep his cool, which would be so hard for me. Right. (laughs) Or just be like, you're the killer, you're the killer. I know, I know. (laughs) Got you Um, now, bitch. So... As soon as he gets back in his car, he, like, calls the station. He's like, I have a suspect. So Lisa is sleeping on a couch at the police station, and she has another nightmare. Um, But Officer Larry tells her that the killer cannot get to her there. She's safe. There's all the task forces out on the streets looking for this guy. She's going to be fine. Um, Speaking of out on the streets, they're following the killer around while Lisa is looking at different photos of people in a Polaroid lineup. And she picks out our dude coming out of a gas station with some popcorn and is surrounded by police and arrested. His name is Bobby Joe Long because of course it is. <laughs> they search his car and his house. They find Lisa's blood in the car, her hair on the floor with some of her hair in it, like she said. Um, her hair pin, I mean. Um, her fingerprints in the bathroom, just like she said they would. They're questioning Bobby and telling him he's going to fry for this. Um He says the only reason they caught him is because he let Lisa go. He says Lisa was different from the other. She was special. Which, A, yes, she is. But, B, gross. Um, Lisa's sleeping on the couch again, and Officer Larry comes in to say they caught the kidnapper. She cries and says she shouldn't have lived, and Officer Larry says that she's a hero. She managed to help them catch a guy in 12 days that they'd been looking for for six months. She walks out of the office and they all applaud and shake her hand. Um, She calls her sister from the safe house. Um, Her sister says, it's Lisa. And her mom snarls, what does she want? No. God. So Lisa gets off the phone with her, writes another letter and packs up her stuff. Officer Larry tells her that she's one in a million and to go have the life that she fought so hard for. And here are her aunt and uncle. They drive up from wherever they were they hug lisa they say they had no idea what was happening at her grandmother's they apologize profusely and say they're going to take really good care of her and they all hug then she hugs officer larry and thanks him for believing her before she gets in the car she turns and smiles and says you haven't seen the last of me and officer larry says i hope not it's very cute and then we cut to lisa Celebrating her 18th birthday with her aunt, uncle, and sister, her mom opens a letter which says, Dear Mom, you once told me I would never have a better life. You were wrong. Goodbye, Lisa. Oh. Um, ending quote 
says, Lisa lived with her aunt and uncle for a few years, finally getting the family love and support she always craved. Lisa became a sheriff's deputy, deputy specializing in sex crimes and working to protect children. And they show the real Lisa, like she's in the she's in the end of the movie. Oh, that's awesome! She's like in her uniform, and she gets in the, her like little cop car and drives away. Um, Lisa has a grown daughter and a beloved granddaughter. Lisa remains friends with Larry Pinkerton, who still refers to her as the number one hero of his career. Oh. Bobby Joe Long remains on death row, so fuck that guy. The end. I'm for real crying. That was I know. Like, like the Chiron at the end makes it better. Yeah, well, because she was in it, and I loved that. I know. I know. I loved that. Oh. And I love that she became a cop because she was clearly a really good cop when she was 17. Right. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to tell you about her, like the real her, which right. Lifetime did a good job. I will just say. Lifetime. I imagine because Un- I imagine she worked on this movie. Unfortunately, so. Lifetime did a really good job. Mm. Um, so, you know, you'd think in all the time that I just spent listening to you, I could have like opened my notes and gotten them prepared, or mm-hmm. you know, my other option was to um make a cartoon of you telling me the story. Aww. So that's the one that I picked. Good. I want to use that as my profile pic. Um, okay, so, um, at the top, my sources this week were, of course, Wikipedia. Thank you to the wiki for always having my back. (laughs) And then to, uh, ranker.com. And then my new favorite place that I'd never heard of before. Um, stop, stop highlighting. That's not what it's called. My iPad's just being (laughs) stupid. Morbidology.com. Stophighlighting.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start with talking about the asshole so that we can end on a high note and I can talk about Lisa to end it. So, Yay! Um, so Bobby Joe Long, who was born Robert Joseph. So the fact that he chose Bobby Joe is really says a lot about him. I mean, that was a choice. Yes. So, he was born on October 14th, 1953, and he actually had Kleinfelter syndrome, which means he had an extra X chromosome, and when he was in junior high, he grew boobs, um, which got him teased a lot, and knowing how he wound up, I'm going to say he deserved every ounce of teasing he got. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's mean. I can't, I should not say that, but he's an asshole. And I'm glad he did. Um, But, um, so he was severely teased for that. He also, so it's the trifecta. I know that we love that recipe for a serial killer. Um, Mm. So persistent, like teasing or being made fun of as a kid. Multiple head traumas. And weird relationship with his mother he shared a bed with her until he was at least 13 years old Ew. uh-huh um he also quote resented her multiple short-term boyfriends so um not a not a great family setup is what that all equates to i don't like it nope um so he after he graduated high school, he married his high school sweetheart. Um, they got married in 1974. They had two children, 
And then six years into their marriage, she filed for divorce. Okay. Um, not not surprised. The more I learn about this guy, not even a little bit. No. Um. So he in 1981, so a year after his wife filed for divorce, began answering classified ads for small appliances, and he would say, uh, "Yeah, I'm interested in seeing that blender or that." mixer or whatever and then he would go to these people's houses and if it was a woman who was home alone he would rape her not cool bro nope um so he became known as the classified ad rapist for a while um in 1981 he raped um he raped 50 women that year What? That's almost one a week. That's like, oh, what's his name? Yeah, that guy. Eron, sorry. <laughs> I was like, unfortunately, this could be the many Golden people. State, the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Well, what's his name? <laughs> that guy. Um, anyway, um, he then moved. So, let's see. He, uh. Grew up in West Virginia, and so um, he moved to um, Florida, and all of these like rapes happened in the Fort Lauderdale, Ocala, Miami, and Dade County area. Um, okay. So then he uh, lived in Long Beach, California for a little bit, so really getting that coast-to-coast manifest destiny idea going on. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and he... While he was in Long Beach, he uh, had a relationship with a 17-year-old girl who lived across from the street where he rented his house. And um, then whenever she was busy, like, I don't know, being a senior in high school and not dealing with his bullshit, he was getting copies of The Penny Saver so that he could go rape more women. If he found women alone, he would ask to use their bathroom. And in there, he'd pull out his, like, prepared rape kit so that he could brutally rape and rob the women. Get a job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the workforce commission should have fixed this. Yeah, <laughs> I hate him. What's um, up? Yep. The um, good news here is that the crimes were never prosecuted by the California attorneys. You know what? Fuck Authorities everything. Authorities, I mean. Yep. yep. Did he get caught? Um, no, because he moved to Tampa Bay after that. <laughs> also, invent the internet so this shit doesn't happen. <laughs> God, somebody get on it. Dear... Dear 80s, invent the internet. Love lifetime sentence. Yes, please. Um, so he moved to Tampa Bay in 1983. Uh-huh. So, so keep in mind, all this, I was born. All this has happened. Born. I was born until 1993. Right. Me. I, I know, you meant 10 years before you were born, right? That was, that was the year 10 years before I was born. <laughs> 
Um, so he moves to Tampa Bay in 1983. That's only two years after he has raped close to 100. Like, in these two years, he's raped close to 200 women. I mean, 100 women. Like, who has time? Really? Who does have the time? <laughs> <laughs> Not to make light of it, but who has the time for all that? Or, like, the energy? God. He does. Ooh. Like before Viagra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're really digging deep on this one. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, so in 1984, um, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office was called to a crime scene where they discovered the body of a nude woman. Um, that opened an investigation into the abduction, rape, and murder of at least 10 women in, in three different counties in the Tampa Bay area. Cool. Um, and it involved personnel from... The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, um, the FBI, the Tampa Police Department, the Posco County Sheriff's Department, and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And with that many law enforcement agencies working together, not a single thing could ever go wrong. Right. So cue the music. Brightside, there's not a whole lot of like, they just out and out sucked. They were just really slow to figure things out. Um. But I feel like with that many agencies working, like, they are going to be slow to figure things out because all of these agencies are going to have pissing contests to see who's going to do it first. So none of them are going to give the information up to each other. Like, we've seen this classically. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, so. That's what I mean. They're just running around like clowns. Like, I don't know anything. Do you yeah. know anything? Yeah, exactly. So like I said, uh... um. When they started the investigation, they had the bodies, uh, or they had discovered the bodies of at least 10 women. Um, the bodies were found typically, like, in, like, they were decomposed, and it was a long time after the murder. They were found, like, in the middle of decomposition, and they'd been dumped, like, on the roadside and then dragged into the woods out in the middle of nowhere. Fucking asshole. Okay. So, um... He had been arrested by this point um, and charged with assault. And so he was on probation for these assault charges whenever he started raping and killing these women. Um, oh, sure. Right, sure, sure, sure. right. So I mean, that's what you do when you're on probation. You right. just start killing people. Yeah. We're seeing that unfortunate natural progression from like smaller crimes. Not that assault is a small crime, but from assault through rape all the way up to murder, which is how it happens, unfortunately. Like, they escalate, you know? Um, so he started driving a, and this is important, a 1978 Dodge Magnum. Which they did correctly use in the movie. Oh, wow. Was it red? It was black, and the red, the interior was red. Okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, mm -hmm. And then the print Magnum was red on it. And, yes. Um, wow. Lifetime getting with it. Um, so he would drive his Magnum into, um, areas that were known to, to have a lot of sex work. Um, and he would go into bars where women were alone. And then he claims, claimed, cause he's dead now. He claimed that his- Oh, he did? He yeah. was still awaiting execution. I can't wait to tell you about this part either. Yay! Um, so- he claimed, Sorry, I really don't support the death penalty, but sometimes I mean. Well, whenever you hear this one, it'll be a good story. So, Oh, good. Um, so he claimed that his victims approached him. I don't 
imagine he was nearly that charming for like like maybe sex workers due to the nature of what like uh, of their profession but women alone in bars are not approaching you buddy like let's be for real yeah (laughs) i don't really believe him i don't at all um so then you're not ted bundy you're not gonna be ted bundy nobody wants to be ted bundy anyway so so (laughs) then he would persuade them to enter his car he according to his testimony and took them to his apartment by persuade them, does he mean I will pay you this much money to have sex with me, person that whose job that is? Right. Right. That's not persuasion. That's not what that means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's like persuading the cashier at Walmart to let you have your groceries. Right. <laughs> I'm like at HV, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you $50 and you're going to put all this stuff in a bag and let me leave with it. And they're like, yes, ma'am, that's how shopping works. Uh, and just to make sure we're clear, you're also going to be a little slip of paper that's got the name of everything I bought on it. So, oh, man. So, <laughs> so then he would bind them with rope and ligature collars that he'd made himself. He's such a Boy Scout using all types of different knots so that nobody He's could untie them. Right. Like he did them Eagle Scouts proud. Um, and then he um, derived pleasure from the sadistic abduction, rape, and brutal murder of his victims. <sighs> he strangled some to death. He slit some of their throats. He bludgeoned some of them to death. He just tried it all. It was a hodgepodge of trying it. Um, That's terrible. And then he would put them on display and arrange them in all kinds of positions like artwork. He thought, um, go take a long walk off a short pier. Good grief. Um, of his 10 known victims, five of the women were identified as sex workers and two were exotic dancers. Um, and then the three remaining victims were a factory worker, a student and one that nobody knew her occupation. That he really, like, that they go into the movie, he really just, like, followed them around until they were alone and snatched them off the street. Like, yeah, that's what I'm going to guess happened. But all we have is his testimony to go off of, which is super reliable, I can tell you. Oh, 100%. Yeah, um, he's always telling the truth. Now, um, I have the list of his 10 victims. And when I was in, like... A better mental state. I was like, I can read them and reflect on them and love them. And I just don't think I can do that now. So I will say that his killing spree lasted from March 27th of 84 to November 11th of 84. So that was eight months. There were 10 murders in eight months. Good grief. Uh Uh-huh. Get a job. It all comes back to that. have all the money to be well because he was robbing them right i know but i hate this get a job and a hobby make some friends go to bingo night throw darts you know what here's the thing make your little like collars and shit and get a consensual bdsm partner and do that for fun right i mean i don't know Ugh, I hate him. Um, so his, unfortunately, not his last uh, assault, 
but his third to last. So after Lisa McVeigh, there were two other women. Um, and those happened. I think that they found him within a, like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Was that so, the truth? Like, yeah. So, so he just she ramped was, it up to a million. She was assaulted on November 3rd of 1984. He killed uh, another woman who was 18 on November 6th. So three days later. And then another woman five days later on November 11th. Wow. Um, so now I'm going to talk just a little bit about Lisa McVeigh. So, um, badass extraordinaire. Yes, absolutely. So on November 3rd of 1984, Lisa McVeigh was a 17-year-old who was living with her grandmother and whose grandmother's boyfriend assaulted her on more than one occasion. She Is he still in jail? I don't know about him. I really hope he is. I, I'm i going to imagine that he's dead now. That, was, that works. That was 35 years ago. If not, he's pushing it. That works for me. Um, so she was, like I said, 17 years old. She was living with them because it was better than living with her mom. Isn't that great? Which is astounding. Um, she wrote a suicide note that morning and then went to work a double shift at her job at Krispy Kreme. And at 2 a.m., she finished... I'm surprised it was Krispy Kreme because they really styled it like a Dunkin' Donuts. Really? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was Krispy Kreme. So at 2 a.m., she got off her job and left. Um, By the way, 1980s, if you're listening... 17-year-old should not still be at work at 2 in the morning. Do better. <clears throat> Do better. Um, I hate everything. <laughs> I know. Um, so I was a cashier. I was the CSM at Walmart for a long time. I was a customer mm-hmm. service manager. And if we had 17-year-olds, like, I had to make sure they were clocked out by 10 o'clock. They could not be, wow. like, on the clock after 10. And I don't care if they had 48 people in their line. I would have to jump in and, like, check everyone out so that they could go sign out. Yeah. Because of how strict the laws are now. Child labor, yeah. Well, because I had... I worked in the mall and then I worked at like this little jewelry store and the mall closes at nine and then the the store I worked in closed at six. And so I was there like after school, like when I wasn't dancing and then I was there on the weekends and that was right. That. No, when I was 17, I was uh, training horses. So that was a pretty sweet gig. I don't know. Um, There's no way to know. No, there's no way to know. (laughs) And anyway, um, so in her words, this is a quote from her. I always took the same route on the way home. It was always dark, but it seemed darker than usual that night. I'm pedaling my bicycle on the sidewalk, but a car blew a horn. I thought that was kind of odd. Why would a car go by and blow a horn? I'm on a sidewalk. So she just continued riding her bike. And then she said, I got halfway down the street and I noticed a car was in the parking lot of a church. I looked back at the church and next thing I know, I was yanked off my bicycle. It felt like three or four guys jerked me off my bike. This is when I'm glad that I never learned to ride a bike. Yeah, same. And mine was stolen this summer that I thought I was going to learn how to ride and lose a bunch of weight. And I was like, that's God telling me to stay fat. (laughs) 
I just couldn't risk getting injured. So I never learned. That's why my mom made me stop riding horses. Because I played violin and viola. And she didn't want me to break my arms. Um, so um, it was not three or four men. It was just the one. Just the one asshole. Um, excuse me. So um, she says, I felt a cold steel barrel of a gun to my left temple. He nope. dragged me across the street. I couldn't see his face. Um, he was 31 at the time. She was 17. Gross. Yep. He got me in the same to the same car I'd seen in the parking lot. He threw me into the driver's side. I remember seeing a huge knife sitting in the middle of the seats. He blindfolded me, bound my hands, my wrists, and my feet, and took my seat and reclined it back. Shortly after that, he drives off. Here I was, thinking about killing myself, and now I was going to be fighting for my life. Oh my god. Yeah. She... I feel like someone recently covered her. All the podcasts run together for me now. Like, I say recently, yeah. and it could have been two years ago. But I think there was a My Favorite Murder about this not too long ago. Um, okay. So, I don't listen to that one. So. I know. So. And I don't I don't recall one about her. So right. that probably makes more sense. Um, so just as I started listening, like, reading this, I was like, oh, I know this one because of whatever podcast that was, you know. Um, this, this woman is a freaking badass. Oh, oh yeah. So she says... Um, he raped me over and over again. He held her hostage at gunpoint for 26 hours. She said she lost count of how many times like, he raped her. I feel like I would run out of hope. Yep. Long, like long before 26 hours was up. And I'd be like, you know what? Just kill me. Yep. Um, she said that before the... um. Before the blindfold was put on her face, she did happen to see, like, she saw the car because she noticed it in the parking lot. She happened to see that it said Magnum across the side in red and that the interior was red. All that she caught before the blindfold was on. Um, So then um, she said, uh, let's see. I had street smarts and I did everything I I could to remember every detail of where I was and what happened. Um... She realized that um, that they'd driven for about 30 minutes. She'd memorized like how the car turned on the drive while she was blindfolded. Um, mm-hmm. She even, she could tell she was somewhere near a wooded area because it was quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she even, do what? She, they mentioned that in the movie, although she says like, Instead of a wooded area, she says, I thought it was like an industrial or um, it wasn't a residential area because it was, I kept listening for people and there was nobody around. Gotcha. Um, She even memorized how many steps it took her to get up to the apartment where he lived. 22. Yep. (laughs) Um, She said it smelled very new. That's what made her story so, quote, unbelievable to the police is that she was doing all this stuff. And they were like, oh, this would have been too traumatic for you to remember. Uh Uh-huh. Which, fuck that. Right. So she said it smelled very new. And then while, when she got the chance, she felt his face, but he kept her blindfolded. She said Mm -hmm. there were pockmarks, a small mustache, small ears, short hair, clean cut, kind of stout, but not overweight. He was just a big guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So she asked him at one point why he was doing this. 
and he said, um, he said he was doing this to me because he was getting back at women in general for a really bad breakup with another girl. Um, so gentlemen, (laughs) if a girl breaks up with you, what you do is you play some PlayStation, you have a few drinks, you jerk off, and then a few weeks you try again. You don't rape women. That's no. not that's not how you do it. And you don't kill them. And don't kill them. Um yeah. I just looked up a picture of this guy, like gross. Don't you see yourself just running across a bar when you're by yourself to see this man? No. Right? Not even not even a little bit. <laughs> I know. Not even if I'd if I'd had like a hundred drinks, would I be like, I'm gonna go home with that guy? Right. So she finally said so over the course of this time she'd said her name was Carol, I think is the name that she said. Like I think they pulled that mm-hmm. correctly. She said she was twenty, she said that she was taking care of her sick father and that she was an only child. Mm-hmm. Um she said that um he seemed like a decent man. He was just misunderstood. And the circumstances under which they met, it was sad that they met under those circumstances because she would have been proud to be his girlfriend and take care of him. And Which, at that point, I'd say anything to get the fuck out of there. Right? I'd be like, I will marry you right now. Um. So after all that, it was like three in the morning he dressed her up like he put her clothes back on her and he said, what am I supposed to do with you? And she said, um, she said, I was still blindfolded and still tied up. And I said, listen, I know you've done this to other women before because of the broken relationship. It's unfortunate how we met. You seem like a nice guy. I can take care of you. I'll be your girlfriend and I won't tell anyone how we met. And then she said, I just talked to him like a four year old. And he said, no, no, I can't keep you. Where do you live? I'll go ahead and drop you off in the area where you live. And she said, I think he took sympathy on me, but I don't know why he didn't kill me. Um, and she... I mean, honestly, that is the mystery. Like, Right. Right. Ugh. She just knew the right things to say. Like, Which she Also, like, good for her. Right. I mean... um, she said, he drove off. I pulled my blindfold down. And the first thing I saw was this gorgeous, beautiful oak tree. That's the moment I knew my life was about to change for the good. I saw the branches of new life. And it really makes me wonder because they, they film her when she's at the end of the movie. They film her under that tree. And I wonder if it's the same. Like, I wonder if they filmed it in Tampa and it's the oh, same probably. Because uh, she still lives very close to Tampa. So. Yeah. Because that would be so, like, so poignant and cool if it was really the same tree, you know? Yeah. So she said, I'd wanted to die before, and now I wanted to live. Yay! So 13 days after she was released, the police captured the serial killer at a movie theater. um, And they used basically all of her information to capture him. Like, she gave a, you know, like... A, especially once they finally believed her, they were like, this is the most detailed description. You know, like she really did have a a, a brain for this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I make fun of it because it was so kind of ridiculous. But I mean, it was a big break for them to find a living witness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, the way that they do it in the movie, he's like, 
we have another victim, but she's alive. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Like this, this isn't is Will of Fortune. Not. You're not announcing prizes. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um. So. But the movie was really well done. It was there was a few like little kooky dumb things, but for a lifetime movie, it was good. He confessed to murdering multiple women. Um. Let's see. Let me now. I'm popping back into him, and then we'll go back to her. So, um, let's see. He was arrested outside a movie theater. He was charged with sexual battery and kidnapping of Lisa McVeigh. So that's how they initially snagged him. Um, he signed a, a Miranda waiver. Like they didn't read him his rights. He signed away his rights. Um, and he, he consented to questioning. Um, the detectives got a confession out of him for the McVeigh case. Mm -hmm. And then they just started going to town on him about everything else. Um, as the detectives questioned him, he replied, like, I'd rather not answer that or no comment, but they just didn't give up. And it's not a media interview. Right. So he, uh, also like just FYI, if you're ever detained by the police, do not sign away your rights and ask for a lawyer (laughs) unless you're a serial killer. And then definitely Side don't follow our, yeah, right. sign away your right. Don't ask for a lawyer. Just start talking. We're just a podcast. <laughs> what do we know? But only if you're a serial killer, listen to that portion. <laughs> yeah. If you're not a serial killer, ask for a lawyer, please. And do not sign away your rights, please. So then they started handing him photographs of the murder victims. Like, I don't know her. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, he said. He saw this of Mariah Carey with his sunglasses. <laughs> The complexion of things sure have changed since you came back into the room. I think I might need an attorney. Really? (laughs) No attorney was provided. He eventually confessed to eight murders in Hillsborough County. That's not okay. Right. Mm. Right. Um, Fiber evidence analysis by the FBI linked him to most of the victims. Um, So he reached eventually a plea bargain for eight of the homicides and for the abduction and rape of Lisa McVeigh. He pled guilty on September 24th, 1985 to all of the crimes and received 26 lifetime sentences. Bye. Without the possibility of parole, parole, parole. (laughs) I need a Corolla. Bye. I drove a Corolla in college that is still running with 350,000 miles on it. You offered it to me in my car with the bed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so without the possibility of parole, and then what I was trying to say when I made up the word parole is there were 24 concurrent sentences and then two to run consecutively. So they were like, you ain't getting out. (laughs) And then seven lifetime sentences with the possibility of parole. And then, Which, why at that point? Like right? why? Like, and then the state, actually, like we might let you out when you're 427 years old. <laughs> like, and then this was the worst plea bargain ever. Like, I don't understand what he got out of this because the state still held the option to seek the death penalty, like as part of his. I mean, um. So what were they, like, what did they... Sometimes those dudes, like, that's what they want. Like, I'm trying to think of the name of the podcast I've been listening to. Hold, please. Keep going. I just 
couldn't figure out like what they took off the table because it's not a plea bargain if you're just gonna confess to it and then they could give you the death sentence like right so there is a podcast oh my god what is this thing called um it's a welcome to lifetime sentence where aaron knows things and paul does too (laughs) (laughs) oh man what is this show called it's gonna drive me insane i'll let you keep looking for it while i talk thank you please um he got the death penalty for the murder of Michelle Sims. Um, she was. I don't even remember which victim, but. Um... Oh, there his third victim. Um, so he um, was sentenced to die in Florida's electric chair. Um. He confessed to raping and killing women, but his confession was thrown out. And so then he had a, like, his trial went straight to the penalty phase. I don't understand all the logistics of this, to be honest, but it was the 80s, which was a lawless time, as we've said. Yeah. And so in 1985, he received the death penalty. Um, He appealed his first degree murder conviction. Um. (laughs) It was overturned. I mean, it was not overturned. Like, he, you did it. Um, then he appealed, he appealed, so that was with um, Hillsborough County. Yeah. So then he tried to appeal his first degree murder conviction and sentence of death and the death of Virginia Johnson. Um, so he was like, I guess he was just going to like one at a time try to appeal these. Um, like you do. Didn't, mm-hmm. didn't work. Um, he... <laughs> In the end, after it was all said and done, he was um, sentenced to one five-year sentence, four 99-year sentences, 28 life sentences, and one death sentence. And I, I was like, they really did. Like, they were just, like, reaching in a grab bag and, like, whatever they pulled out, like... Like you get five years, and you get the death penalty. They just had you the, get a life sentence, and you get ninety nine years. They so just the had, podcast. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was thinking of it's called the clearing, and it's about Edward Wayne Edwards. Oh okay. And that was part of his deal that he wanted the death penalty. Right. I remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I was. And Israel Keys was the same way. Yes. That's a whole big old ball of crazy. You just said back to back. Yeah. Oh man, that is a whole big old ball of, ball of crazy. Um. So. Back to Lisa McVeigh. After all was said and done, after a couple year recovery period, she actually um, went to police academy and became a sheriff's deputy. And she worked um, very close to Tampa. She's like one county over. Um, So at the time of this, I think this is the article from the ranker. um, She was 51. She said she was never going to forgive long. And she was determined to witness his death. In fact, she had a shirt made to wear on the day of his execution that said long on the front because that was his last name and then overdue on the back. So it was long overdue. And that is the type of petty I am here for. It is also the type of petty I am here for. And she, you know, people like go on and on about, oh, you have to forgive these. You know, no, you don't. You don't. No. She's allowed to be mad 
at that dude for the rest of her life, even though he's dead. Yes. Yes. So um, he died by lethal injection on mm-hmm. um, May 23rd, 2019. So Bye. just a few months ago. Um, yeah. And um, <laughs> the Wikipedia article goes so far as to tell you what his last meal was. Oh, good. Which was, in fact, roast beef, bacon, french fries, and soda. Which always makes me think of that meme that's like, my last request will be the endless breadsticks and salad from Olive Garden. (laughs) (laughs) I think roast beef is terrible, so... Good riddance. (laughs) Yeah. What would be your final meal? Oh, God. I don't know. I like too many foods. Probably, well, you started talking about Olive Garden, so. Fran, please turn this off. <laughs> Mute. Hey, Just skip gone? ahead for 30 seconds. she gone? Even though I know it's not Italian, it would probably be like fettuccine Alfredo. Fair enough. Even though it's not an, it's not an Italian dish, and I know that, but it's so good and fattening and delicious and then i would want breadsticks to like dip in my leftover alfredo sauce mm-hmm. and don't bring a salad don't come out with that kind of shit like <laughs> and then like and then like chocolate cake with icing yes yeah my last meal with s'mores was- yum mm. Now I'm hungry. What's up? Yep. What would your last meal be? <laughs> My last meal would be just a big old greasy cheeseburger from like some hole in the wall place that has a flat top grill, you mm-hmm. know, like from some small town in the middle of Texas. Like I need it I to. Board. Actually, uh-huh. I ate at Longhorn Cafe yesterday. It was so good. Ugh. With we had uh, cheeseburgers. delicious curly fries. Like I want the seasoned curly fries. Mm-hmm. I want some macaroni and cheese. And then I want a peanut butter chocolate cake since I'm allergic to peanuts. Like I want to, (laughs) I love peanut butter so much, but it could kill me. Aaron's also dying. Um, My microphone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We are professionals. We are so good at what we do. (laughs) So now that we spent the last 10 minutes telling everybody what we would eat when, when we die. Fine. We're like, (laughs) We're, we're short on time because I had short notes this week. I did too. And so, um, yeah. So there's actually been a lot of coverage about this guy. Um, the FBI Files has an episode on him. Forensic Files has an episode of him. That's how they started their season two. Um, sure. She is on an episode of I Survived. Mm. Uh-huh. She is season two, episode seven. I'm going to have to hunt that down. Yeah. That's and and she's the one they save. Like, you know how they like, they'll introduce with her and then they tell all the other stories in like a sandwich method and then end with her. So, yes. Uh, I love those ones. She's on an, uh, she's the premiere episode actually of uh, a show called I Escaped My Killer, which did not do very well, but it's the same premise as I Survived. Mm-hmm. Um, she, there's a CBS show called Killer Doctors on Death Row. I think it's about the people who performed the lethal injection. Oh, sure. Okay. I was like, he's not a doctor. Right. Uh, <laughs> on season three, episode two of Evil Lives Here. Um, and that's his wife, like his ex-wife talking about being married to him. 
Who Evil Lives Here is a good show. Uh-huh. And then there was a Reels uh, special about him called... Uh, the show was called World's Most Evil Killers. And then the one about him was the classified ad rapist Bobby Joe Long. Um, and then there's a TV movie about her that you just watched. So he's been covered a lot. Which I also just want to point out that he chose the name Bobby Joe. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to get out of here before long so we can record our Patreon episode. Yeah, we are. But I have a few things. Okay. Ready? Yeah. So um, next week we're going to, I'm going to watch Abducted, another abduction. I'm sorry. Then we'll be off them for a little bit. Um, Abducted, the Mary Stoffer story. That's the one uh, with Allison Hannigan. Oh, it's a premiere, right? Yes. It's a rip from the headlines premiere. um, You can watch it next Saturday on Lifetime. I'm going to be live tweeting it at Life's Minutes Pod if you want to follow along. Um, If not, we'll have that episode for you on October 9th. Um, the next week is the college admission scandal where you're going to watch the movie That's and I'm going to tell you about the crime. Oh, and oh so, what day? Of the, I mean, what date is that? So the episode will come out on the 16th, but the movie premieres on the 11th. No, the 12th. Sorry. Okay. That's the one weekend in October that I'm not actually doing something. So cool. Perfect. So then I need you to pick two numbers between 1 and 58 for the last two movies of October. 16, mm-hmm. 47. Okay. So 16 is Scared Silent, which I think is about a cop that rapes women. Yay. Great. Um, And then 47 is... Murder in the Hamptons. Yes. Yeah, that sounds real trashy. So that'll round out October. That last episode will come out on the 30th, and then we will go from there. All right. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you guys for spending your time with us. Yes, we love you. And um, did you see we got a new review on iTunes this week? No. We didn't even ask last week and somebody did it for us because you the best. Go review us. And if you don't have an Apple phone or an iPhone, you can still sign up for an iTunes account and review us on iTunes. It really helps us with um, potential sponsorships and rankings and all that kind of good stuff that goes along with that. So it helps people find us. And whatever you use to listen to us, there's usually a rating system on every um, podcatcher. So... Give us a five stars or a thumbs up or a great big heart or like, I don't know, three popsicles. I don't know what they do. And like the Deck the Hallmark guys say, like, take your friend's phone and sign in real quick and do another one. Yeah. It's fine. We are not going to hold it against you if you want to make us more popular and lovely. Don't go through their phone. Just use it to. Yeah. Don't click the photos app. Don't do that. Let's go through and give us a quick five stars and then give it back to them. Right. Exactly. Oh, and hit subscribe for them. Just oh, like, yes. Just oh. like surprise them. Take your Nana's phone and like she only listens to, you know, sermons on podcasts and then let it go to us. Got, like, Pastor Rick's daily hope. <laughs> <laughs> and then it 
flows right into lifetimes and it's oh poor nana listen it'll give her a reason to pray for you you'll be helping her out she'll pray for us it might be helping us out help us get into heaven podcastfornana.com tm 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 all right so uh if you want to hang out with us more hit us up at twitter at life sentence pod Mm -hmm. or on instagram at lifetime sentence you can find us on facebook.com slash lifetime sentence you can go to our blog which has show notes and our schedule and all kinds of other good things at lifetime sentence.com our patreon wait you can email us at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com and as always please go subscribe to our patreon uh, patreon.com slash lifetime sentence we're having a great time we're talking about unsolved mysteries it's been really fun um yeah join us over there in the vein of lifetime my um patreon episode this week is actually ripped straight from the headlines yeah yeah (laughs) so um yeah, we just, we love you, and uh, we want to remind you to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.